hello and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm your host, Nick Berlansky, joined as always by Nick Horwat, and we have a, a good show for you guys today. We have an interesting show for you guys today. Obviously, the Pittsburgh Penguins at this moment have lost five straight games, but we have a lot to talk about in the minutia of that. Obviously, Tristan Jari goes down with an injury at the Winter Classic. That will be the first thing we talk about. But also, we'll get into later in the show, what do the Pens need to do to end this losing streak? Are we concerned about this team's playoff chances at this moment? And what will the Penguins' defense look like at full health, which could be coming up here in the next week or two? So let's start it off with Tristan Jari, because it looks like, in my opinion, he either pulled something in the first period, which might be the, the best thing for the Penguins if it was just a pulled groin, or at worst, it just reminds me of the hernia injury uh, that Casey DeSmith faced in Game 1 of the playoffs last season, which obviously can require surgery, which would bring him out for a little bit longer. But in the game itself... It was obviously a topic for a solid five, six minutes because they weren't getting him out of the net until a, a commercial break, and they couldn't. And he was struggling a lot to get up and to push from left to right. It didn't look good. He leaves the game, and now he's returned to Pittsburgh to be evaluated. So Horwat, uh, what were your thoughts when you saw him go down, and then we'll get into everything else as it pertains to the injury. Well, I mean... First thought was, oh no. Second thought was, not this team. Third thought was, these guys, none of these guys can catch a break. Mm. I mean, we were playing the game already with a wonky lineup, right? Seven defensemen, 11 forwards, just an unusual decision that we don't need to talk about really, but an unusual decision that showed this team has already got some injury and health issues. The last thing they need is their all-star caliber goalie going down. And down he goes. And not to take anything away from Casey DeSmith, but that was that was supposed to be a big game for Tristan Jari um, to help turn this team around, turn his little stretch around, and find a good victory for the Penguins. It's really my main thoughts were this isn't ideal and not at this time mm-hmm. because it was because of the stage it was at that could have really meant a lot for the team. You know, it was a bigger opportunity than normal for for a victory and to gain momentum and I'm not going to say they lost it in losing their goal in their in losing their starting goalie, but it sure didn't help things. Yeah, and you mentioned something really quickly there that I don't think we can we can pass over is the fact that listen, it's it's big for Tristan Jari. Um, mm-hmm. eventually as a goaltender, you get the tag placed on you that, Hey, you're injury prone, which is the last thing, especially as a net minder that you want to have placed on you. But you look at what's happened. It might just be a stretch of bad luck, but he missed last year's postseason. played in game seven, but realistically he was not healthy, uh, for that game seven, but he, he missed the end of the regular season. And then the beginning of the postseason with an injury, he's now injured once again for what it seems like. And, and again, we don't know. He's still being reevaluated in Pittsburgh, but it seems like this is going to be a longer injury uh, for Tristan Jari. At the very least, a couple of weeks. I would say week to week is is best case scenario for the Penguins. And when you're in a contract year, and that's something that can be used against you, you just hate to see it for a guy like Tristan Jari. And then for the Pittsburgh Penguins as a whole, I mean, they're they're such a roller coaster this season, and losing your netminder. At the, at the turn of the year when you were trying to turn things around and the way that the Penguins were playing in that first period as well, uh, that had to factor in to you know, the game as well, trying to play that defensive mindset and kind of clamp down more so than they would normally because Casey DeSmith was coming there cold. Yeah, but, but the thing is, too, is this team has a lot of confidence in Casey DeSmith. It's, um, they know he's a good... They know he's a good goalie. They know he's a good backup, and they've... I mean... The organization and the franchise thinks he's uh, good enough. I mean, they signed him to a two-year deal this past offseason, mm-hmm. uh, which may have been a little shocking to some, but here he is, and he's 
been decent enough. I mean, sure, maybe we want to see more out of him, but now's the time for that. I mean, bare minimum, we're missing Jari for two games, I'd say. At least get at least get back home and see what happens uh, mm-hmm. with the Vancouver game on Tuesday. But, I mean, for now, it's all kind of... It's all touch and go, it seems. Mm-hmm. All of it. I mean, I know we have one game and then two days off to get to Arizona. It's a damn shame. Jari's going to miss the uh, experience of Mullet Arena. <laughs> but... Uh, I don't know. It's a difficult situation, especially considering for Jari, yeah, you're right. It's not the time that you want it to happen. You're fighting for a contract. You're fighting for your team. And, I mean, you hate to say that it kind of benefits the Penguins contract negotiation-wise. Now, all of a sudden, you have, in a couple different ways, like, A, let's say he's out for a little while and the numbers kind of decrease a little. But, B, hey, man, this is like the third year in a row you've been hit with a bit pretty decent injury that we had to really maneuver things uh can you sustain health mm-hmm. yeah, but then you start thinking of well what's the future of this goaltending position because if you can't continue on with an injury prone goalie mm-hmm. so i mean that's a bigger topic for a different for a bigger day but yeah how ready are we for our prospects right now or i mean if there's something down the line that's something i'm sure we'll get into what could the possibility be of the future in net if Tristan Jari truly is not healthy enough to or truly not the kind of player to sustain health? I don't know. It's one of those weird situations you always have to keep be mindful of with athletes. Yeah. Period. I, I, I for one am very happy. I don't have to be you know the guy to make that call to make that point in that contract negotiation because that just feels especially at this moment. I know, I know you, it is going to be a factor. I it you bring to, up yeah. a valid point, but just. You know, to say it and to think about like, oh yeah, this could benefit. It's like, no, you know, it, I, yeah. I get, I get where you're coming from. Listen, yeah. I'm not, I'm not casting aspersions on you, but just, it's, it's something where like, obviously, it, it's unfortunate. And for the Pittsburgh Penguins, this is an organizational issue. I mean, Casey DeSmith was injured for the postseason last year and the year prior. Um, you mentioned what are the Penguins' prospects looking like right now? Philip Lindbergh for the second straight year is battling a lot of injuries. Um, down there in Wilkes-Barre. So, and he's probably, I mean, if you look at the prospects, he's probably the furthest along in North America. Obviously, Joel Blomqvist, uh, there's a lot of excitement around him, but he is over in Europe once again this season. But in North America, I mean, Lindbergh missed most of last season, and once again, he's down this season, which is why Taylor Gauthier um, is up at the AHL level. But um, to shift things to Casey DeSmith, he is now the starter at this moment, Moving forward, the Pittsburgh Penguins are operating with Casey DeSmith as the starter. This season, he has a 4-7-2 record, 2.99 goals allowed average, and a 9-11 save percentage, which, considering uh, some of the the narratives surrounding Casey DeSmith this year and some of the stuff and way that people talk about him, you would think those numbers would be a lot worse. Um, Clearly, the record is not as good as you'd like it to be, but... There's also some poor defensive performances in that record as well in front of him. But what do you make of Casey DeSmith moving forward, and how comfortable are you with him as the starter of this team uh, for the time being? Oh, for the time being, I guess I'm gonna just have to be. <laughs> I don't know about I don't know about how comfortable I am, but I have no choice but to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'll at least be okay. They're in a good they're in a decent enough spot that the team is confident in this option hmm. right and i'll give them that dustin tokarski is a backup hey you know what an nhl journeyman that you know is going to step in as a third string goalie where have we seen this story before oh. somebody gotta ask Can't him if he likes spicy pork or if he or who was or legasse what, what did he do he shut up the buffalo sabers in the final game in the of the final season game of the season hey you know what man something big's gonna happen for tokarski just somewhere along the line here um but you know what? It's it's a good enough situation for the Penguins. Like I said, they're confident in him. They have the belief that he can be good enough to hold down the fort for as long as they need. Uh, but if it is a longer term uh, injury, I think you got to think of some move here. Mm. It's I don't think you can sustain Casey DeSmith as a starter for longer than ugh, what would you say a month? Um, I would say 
Because he's a goalie and doesn't play every game, maybe like a month and two weeks, six weeks. Listen, in, in my opinion, and I looked at the schedule, and, it, and that's what really you have to do. Look at how busy the month of January is, because it really is leading up to the All-Star break um, in the first week of February. But I think if you finally get the diagnosis back on Tristan Jari, and he's out past Valentine's Day, which would be 16 games played uh, between now and then, uh, you would have to imagine that the Smith starts 12 of those 16. Tukarski maybe gets four of those, if that's the case. Um, then maybe. Uh, that That's when I would say you have to explore the options. But also, you know, Ron Hextall's been trying to make a move since the opening of this season. You know, he's been trying to offload. We've heard many names out there. Kapanen, uh, a defenseman. Uh, the, no matter, depends on who it is, I don't know. But we've heard that a lot of these trade talks are happening, but... There hasn't been really a single trade of any significance in the National Hockey League into the month of January. Normally, we see at least like a handful in December because uh, teams finally know what they are. But because of the, the status of the trade market, I understand that desperation is created due to injuries sometimes. And, and, and Ron Hextall might have to bite the bullet on some things that he doesn't want to give away uh, for a goaltender. But also, I don't know how long you can go with Casey DeSmith. I do think that he will step up to the challenge. I think he's much better than people give him credit for. I think there are times where he is swimming in the net and it scares the heck out of me. Um, but he looks to be a lot more confident this year. But yeah, I, I think he started at a better place this year than he did last year. And I do think that his issues are a lot more minimal than they were last season as well. I mean, you look at what he did last year whenever you know Tristan Jari went down late in the year. He made five starts. Went three and two, had a 2.2 goals allowed average and a 940 save percentage. So he really stepped up to the challenge, and that's not even considering how he was performing in Game One of the series against the New York Rangers. So, you know, it, it, with the trade, the trade thing, you know, who can you get to? Like, obviously, Jake, uh, Jacob Bunturi of Inside the Penguins put out a story about some options, and uh, I'm not even going to say some of the names. But when I looked at at him, I was like, you know what? They're great options. I feel like, but I don't see those teams parting with those guys unless you're paying second round pick, third round pick. And I don't know if the Pittsburgh Penguins are willing to do that uh, just to get a minimal upgrade over Casey to Smith. Yeah, I mean, you're right. It's, it is just always something that when something like this happens, because the position is so thin, you have to be ready with your options. I think that's more yeah. of the more of the thought process here it is it is not immediately hey we have an injured goalie moves got to get made no it's just the fact that it is such a thin position i mean in a team of 22 how many do you travel 23 in a team of 23 mm -hmm. you have two of them sometimes three that's it you know it's you are immediately down to like when when jari went down what was also some of the first camera camera shots at Fenway Park? Here's Mike Chase on the emergency backup goalie that we happened to bring with us, mm -hmm. by the way. Um, which I mean that like that's how thin the position is. It is it immediately goes to hey your next option if your second goalie gets hurt in the same game or something happens, your third option is something that has that rarely happens and when it does it's the biggest news story. Mm -hmm. Uh. So that's just how thin the position is. Clearly, you have your minor league goalies as well, and your ECHL, and then your prospects. So you, but you thing is, is then it gets weird because NHL contracts are the way that they are. You can't immediately call up certain ECHL goalies even on an emergency basis. You have to like loan one of your prospects in. Yeah. So you have to be prepared. So I think that's more along the lines of why you have trade discussions is just who can we have at the ready? Mm -hmm. And then... Usually you just look for ones on expiring deals and say, thank you for your quick service. Best of luck on your future endeavors. And, and here's the thing with that. And, and then we'll cut the break and come back and talk a little bit more about this losing streak and a little bit more about the rest of the players on the, on the roster is, you know, I, I feel like the Penguins and not a lot of people are understanding that whoever they would go out and get, I think it would be very difficult to get somebody that is like, you'd be paying a lot to get anybody that is a step up from Casey to Smith, but also you're probably paying a decent amount at this point for somebody that's around the same skill level and talent level and who's going to give you the same stuff as, as Dustin Tukarski. 
Like, let's give Tukarski a little bit of credit here. I think he is much better, in my opinion, than than Max Lagasse. I think he is a much better option at this stage of his career than Louis Domingue was last year. I mean, unless he starts trying to catch the puck with both hands, um, then I'll just about that. Oh, I, I'll have bad flashbacks. But I, I, what I think people really need to understand is there's a reason that Dustin Tukarski was brought in, and it, it wasn't to be the starter of the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, he was brought in for this very reason. So I, I I know that a lot of people want to say, hey, let's bring in Carol Vomelka of the Coyotes. Let's just pick him up when we're at Mullet Arena. Just bring him over uh, from that randomly, you know, tent that is a locker room to this tent that is a locker room. But at, at the same time, this is a thing that has been thought of before. This has already been thought of. This is already an instance that this front office has thought about, prepared for, and this is what they came up with. And it's Casey DeSmith, and it's Dustin Tokarski. And that's what we're going to see, in my opinion. Now, if Jari is out past Valentine's Day, which, again, is 16 games played, which is about five weeks, then I think you start having that discussion of, okay, how much do we like what we've prepared for? Like, how much do we like this, and how much has that changed since the beginning of the season? But um, that's, that's a discussion for whatever we have much more information about Tristan Jari. As of right now, all we know is it's a lower body injury and he is back in Pittsburgh being evaluated. But we're going to take a quick break. When we return, what do the Penguins need to do to end this five-game losing streak? We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. Horwat, I want to get your quick reaction. Literally, give me just your, your first couple of words of thought. Next year's Winter Classic. I'm wearing the Seattle Kraken hat for those watching on Inside the Penguins on YouTube. Next year's Winter Classic, Seattle, Vegas, up in rainy Seattle, Washington. Do you like it? Do you not like it? Uh, I do like it. I don't mind it. I called it, actually. Yep. I'm sure you remember. I don't remember. I may have called it before Seattle even had the official name of the Kraken ready. Mm-hmm. We were probably talking about outdoor games, and I went, Vegas doesn't have one yet. Their first one is going to be against the 32nd team. They have one. They- oh, then then COVID happened, so I called it before COVID. Yeah, they, they, they played in Lake Tahoe against the Avs. Yeah, okay, I forgot about that. Plus, to be fair, as gorgeous looking as those games were they were easy to forget um yeah i called it a long time ago and i said they should call it the expansion classic regardless if it's winter or stadium series but there you have it the the the, uh the expansion classic in seattle washington and honestly that should be a ton of fun yeah i'm very excited for it i think it's obviously it, it was a layup like you called it two years ago it was a layup to make this and i think it's also happening at the right time uh because seattle's a very young and entertaining team and and vegas right now is is one of the best teams in the west and i think by next year uh by the beginning of what 2024 geez i can't believe we're we're that far along but by the beginning of 2024 they're probably going to be Two of the, they're already two of the top three or four teams in the in the Pacific Division. They're going to be, I think, the top two, especially when Matty Beneers hits another stride and when Shane Wright gets his feet underneath him. So uh, I'm excited about that. Um, I'm also in the abolish the uh, the stadium series in, as its entirety. Uh, not that I'm not excited for for Kane's Caps, but you know I I don't think it's necessary. Uh, but we digress. Nonetheless, let's talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins losing streak right now because it is the second losing streak of five games or more this season. Obviously, we all remember the seven-gamer that happened in November, but Horwat, what do the Penguins need to do uh, to get on the other side of this thing and to get back in the win column? Quite simple. It's The Sidney Crosby line needs to show up a little more. Sidney Crosby needs to have points. Jake Gensel needs to find the back of the net. It's been seven games for him. And, I mean, the defense is what it is, but the star players have to step yeah, have to step up and contribute the way they're supposed to. Like I said, Cindy Crosby hasn't gotten a point in five games. Jake Gensel hasn't scored a goal in seven. Sure, Raquel's still picking up an assist here and there. Brian Rust is now up on that top line, and... Screw it, fine. Whatever can get this team going. I don't care who has played with who. I'm. I think we're both 
close to just hitting a complete shuffle button on everything and seeing what comes out at the other end. Um, because as because the fact that we're getting production from Kasperi Kapanen <laughs> and he's playing seven minutes a night, Ugh. I mean, that can go on. Maybe he should be playing a little more. Well, he should, but yeah, we'll get into that think, some other time. Yeah, I get in certain situations you don't want him out there, but by God, more than a single shift in a period might be helpful when he's the only one scoring anyway. Yeah, it's up to the star players to play like star players, quite simply. The, the defense is what it is. It's going to be a little touch and go because of the amount of injuries we have and just how different it is than what it should look like when it's healthy. Mm-hmm. And the goaltending is the goaltending. We just discussed it. They're confident in their guys right now. We can have a further discussion of what this team needs to do whenever we have more jarring information. But for now, I'm looking at the star players. I'm looking at Crosby, Gensel, Malkin. You could throw Zucker in there. You could throw Rust in there. You could throw Raquel in there. All the top six. Maybe Jeff Carter as well because he's a star in the league, I guess, longevity-wise. To do something. Hmm. Produce a little more or produce it all. Because that's what's been killing us. We can't rely on because our bottom six isn't that great they're just they just so happen to be the only ones producing at a low pace mm. yeah when i look at this team obviously you mentioned the bottom six i mean depth scoring is actually coming in you know you mentioned Kapanen. carter had a goal uh the other game drew o'connor scored a goal in the other game but Gensel, got shafted immediately yeah yeah but get Gensel and crosby you know you're not going anywhere without those guys you know they got close monday i will say that um, when you watch the first period of that game against the Boston Bruins at Fenway Park, I thought the first line played particularly well in that first period, but Linus Allmark was just, you know, standing on his head and doing just Martin Brodeur-esque things uh, between the pipes for the Boston Bruins. He, w- he was so- stopping everything that came his way. But I thought that was a positive sign for both Crosby and Gensel. Uh, you know, I-, I think especially Crosby, you saw him basically take that as a as a command. And then, of course, you know, when, when Tristan Jari goes down, I think that's the other thing. Tristan Jari went down. The Pittsburgh Penguins, they're at their best when they're playing their defensive style. But as I talked about uh, on the the show Penguins to go earlier this week, you know, it's been a weird week, so I, I'm forgetting every, everything about what day. Uh, I think it was Mondays or Tuesdays. Tuesdays, Penguins to go. Not that it matters. It's on the feed. Uh, the, Peng- it. the Penguins are at the, their best when they're playing their defensive style, but not when they're just only doing that like you saw that in that game on Monday and it was so mind-numbing especially the third period like I get it play defensively I get it you have Casey DeSmith who one is a backup goaltender two is coming in cold and three is coming in on a national stage where it cannot be easy against the best team in the National Hockey League in the Boston Bruins I understand you want to try to protect the house a little bit but you had a one goal lead a one goal lead and you produced nothing in that third period. I mentioned it on the show on Tuesday. Zero high danger chances in the third period. Zero. Not a single one. Linus Allmark was skating circles like Cat from the Mighty Ducks back there. You know, am I going to get a shot? Maybe not. I'm just going to sit here. There's nothing really happening until the very last second when they finally squeak past, but it's two seconds too late. So... You know, that was the biggest issue. I understand you want to stick to your defensive style. I understand that's what's going to get you wins in this league, especially with the age that the Pittsburgh Penguins are. But you need to emphasize getting better throughout the game. I love the Penguins' effort in the first period. I was a little wary of the Penguins' effort in the second period. And then the Penguins in the third period, I looked at the Penguins and I said, What is this? What is this? What is this? You know, turtles don't win hockey games, right? Yeah. You cannot, yeah, you at, cannot turtle. So, look at multiple games that they've lost in this past losing streak. Talk about turtling. You had a four nothing lead in the first period against the Detroit Red Wings. Now, don't get me wrong. You gave up two in the second. If you were able to just pull out one goal in the third, we don't have that discussion. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about a five game losing streak. Um, as much as the second period of the Devils game got out of hand, you gotta find goals from the right people. And clearly, the first line didn't produce any of that. Mm-mm. And it was just kind of all downhill from there. And mm-hmm. I can remember sitting watching the uh, the Red Wings game, if I take it back to the 4 nothing lead again, 
everyone in that press box knew the second they gave up the second goal, if they didn't get the if they didn't get the next one, that was it. This team wasn't going to do it. These guys are there's a lot of people not confident in this team. Oh, and yeah. I think that's why, you know, when you had this Pens poll not too long ago when you said how confident, but I think you asked, like, how confident are you in this team or what does this team mean? I, I thought to myself, like, there's people so not confident in this team because there's not that one little bit to push them over the edge. Mm. That one little bit is closing out games right now. They can't for whatever reason. It's three games in a row where they've lost a lead. I mean, a one-goal lead's pretty easy to lose in the NHL, but... Four? It's still a... Yeah, but four is in there. How about having that just that weird Devils game? And how about you had that one-goal lead into the third period? Mm. You had the chance to close it down. I don't know. I forget how deep into the third it was, but it was deep enough. The fact that there was under 20 minutes left in the game and you couldn't hold it down... Mm-hmm. Um, Goes to show, and it was a, a play that, let's be real, Tristan Jari may have stopped just coming from behind the net like that. I mean, it's a hard one, but it's a matter of yeah getting or missing the poke check. Yeah. Little things, but still. it's This team needs to figure out closing it down. That's the other thing that goes into turning this, turning this team around, shutting down games. Yeah. Uh, blown leads in the third period and four of their past seven games, certainly a glaring issue for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But you, you brought something up, and I want to get to it here. There's a lot of people you mentioned that are concerned with this team. I've been getting a lot of texts, a lot of DMs, a lot of calls uh, about, you know, the sky is falling. We had it earlier this season. Uh, they turned it around, and they were one of the best teams in the NHL for a four- or five-week span. And we're back again. It's almost like we never left. It's almost like people are forgetting that the Penguins were the best team in hockey for for a stretch there. Uh, it's almost like they went from the seven-game losing streak, won two games, and went back into this five-game losing streak at this point uh, with the way that some people are talking. But the question is, and and we'll, we'll obviously probably have varying opinions on this, are you concerned about this team missing the playoffs this year? So I don't know about concerned... But as I look around, I can see where people are coming from. This is a stacked, all of a sudden, a stacked Metropolitan Division. I think we went into this season thinking a couple of these teams are going to take a step backwards. Right? We thought the Devils probably weren't, we're going to take a step forward, but not this big. We thought the Rangers are probably going to take a step back. The Capitals are probably going to take a step back. Hell, I thought the Blue Jackets might fight for a spot. Um, No, as a matter of fact... A number of teams in this division took a massive step forward, like the Devils, like the Islanders, and now all of a sudden, like the Capitals, it is a six-team race for three, two, four, four or five spots. Mm. Yeah, that's not ideal. Uh, so, a very good team, somewhere along the way here, is going to miss the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I, if the Penguins aren't good enough in certain situations, in certain spots, and, I mean, maybe let's let's say they can't close out overtime games because they already have six overtime losses. I mean, if they can't close out these games, they're going to be that odd team out. Hmm. I mean, I don't... Plus, you have to still consider the Atlantic. Yeah. One of those teams could pop off and steal a wild card spot, making it four teams that get in from the Metro. I'm assuming the, the Atlantic won't have two teams that get wildcard spots. That just doesn't sound like it's going to happen. But in a six-dog race and four teams make it, two teams that are very good, who knows, that could be Washington as well. It could be Pittsburgh and Washington missing that. The Metro's in a weird spot right now, and I can see where people are coming from with their concerns. Do I think the Penguins are going to miss the playoffs? Off the top, no. Because you don't doubt Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I see where people are coming from. This is a very good division we're playing in. My answer to this question is no. No. I'm not concerned. About them missing the playoffs? No. They are two points out at this current moment. And it is January 5th. There's a lot of hockey left to be played. And they're not they're not six, seven, eight points out. They're two points out. There's a lot of divisional hockey left to be played. You talk about that. They've played the Islanders once. They've played the Devils once. They've played the Rangers once. There are a lot of opportunities for them moving forward. 
This fan base needs to chill the F out. Take your headspace out of this current losing streak for one second. Because I feel like that's what a lot of Penguins fans have an issue doing. We've lost five in a row. They lost seven in a row earlier. Let's, are you forgetting that this was the best team in hockey in December? And it was not particularly close. Take your head out of your ass and out of this current five-game losing streak and look at the bigger picture. Try to even out this roller coaster of streaks that the Penguins have had all season long and say to yourself, is this a team that I can consider top eight in the East? I, they don't need to be top five. They don't need to be top three. To get into the postseason, they need to be top eight. Are they better than the Washington Capitals? I think at full health, at full strength, yes. Are they better than the New York Islanders? Full strength, full health, yes. Same with the Rangers. Now, I understand that's a fairytale world. Pittsburgh Penguins, until I die, will probably never be fully healthy. That's <laughs> that's probably something that will happen. But you are missing your top two defensemen on the right side. You're missing three of your top four defensemen on the right side. You get Latang back. You get Petrie back, which could happen in the next week or two. And also, Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel are not going to be this bad for very long. No, they just need to figure it out sooner rather than later. That's kind of the only point I was making there. Yeah. Is that this team is not going anywhere without them because there is the depth scoring is not where it should be still. Mm-hmm. Where like they're scoring, yeah, but like I said, it's not at the same pace. And another thing too is you're right, I'm with you here. Like I still I don't think they're going to make it. I can just see the concerns. Think of this too. I don't know how much, you know, uh I don't know how much weight you put into this. I wrote a story about this last night. Just shared it that, like as you were speaking. The Penguins are still among the betting favorites. In case you were curious. You know, Vegas you has faith. There. Yeah, Vegas has faith. I mean, there are two... Oh, and by the way, it's betting favorites to win the Cup, not just make the playoffs or win games. It is to win the damn thing. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much faith you put in numbers and make that a real discussion point, but that's something. It is something that you can throw a couple of bucks down on the, on the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. And take, I believe they're plus 1,800. If that means anything to you, I know nothing about it, but I know. It's it's good odds. Those are good odds. That's all I need to hear. It's within the top 10. And that's a a step in the right direction. Yeah, there's two teams in the Metro above them in those odds. Mm -hmm. I believe it's the Devils and the Rangers. Or maybe Carolina. The current Hurricanes have to be It's Hurricanes, yeah. (laughs) My bad, it's Hurricanes. But still, they are among the betting favorites. Mm -hmm. And that's... Another thing to take into account here, that not only should you not be concerned about them missing the playoffs, because they're most likely not going to, mm-hmm. I can just understand where people are coming from, maybe one of these teams falls off. Like I said before we played them, the Devils are falling back to earth mm-hmm. a little bit. I don't suspect they're going to maintain their the same skill they have. They're a great team, yeah. They're a fast team, yes. Something about them still doesn't click with me, but that's just me. And who knows, the Islanders or the Islanders? I... New coach, you know, they make the playoffs. He's Jack Adams' winner. Um, could be a bunch of different things. And the, at the pace of Edgecombe scoring, though, I mean, the Capitals are going to be fine. There's some weird things going on in the Metro, and they're all very good. The Penguins just need to find themselves, and they can do that very easily. So the Penguins are currently on a five-game losing streak. The last thing I will say about everybody that is doom and gloom right now this is the end of a very tough stretch of games for the Pittsburgh Penguins. We talked about it in December when they when they started this. It was 10 games against a lot of playoff teams and against a lot of playoff teams in the Metropolitan Division. And yeah, they played pretty well at the first half of that. And yes, they've struggled in the second half of that. But let's not forget the fact that even though they have given up leads, that means they had leads in these games. You know, that's a big thing. The only game they didn't show up in for the full 60 was New York. The first game off of Christmas break, which do with that information what you will. You can call it, you know, not being ready to play out of a out of a break. You can call it being lackadaisical. You could call it just basically no showing. That is the only game in which I have watched and I said there are no redeeming qualities for this team. Every other game, Except you look at the P.O. P- Joseph. Yeah, P.O. Yeah, okay, P.O. Joseph. The fa- fair point, fair point, P.O. Joseph. But every other game, there's a reason this team is. It, it, we're talking about them not holding on to leads 
It's because they've gotten out to leads. They've shown, hey, we can outplay anybody in this league. So I, I just feel that people really need to chill out. Like, they, they just try. I know it's hard. Try to take yourself out of what you're watching right now in this five-game losing streak and, and try to look past the box scores. I've seen that, a lot of that, too. People that are like, oh, they lost five in a row. They gave up. You know, look past the box scores. Stop being a headline fan and actually think about the greater just area of the team and what they've looked like in these games. Because, yes, they've looked bad at points, but they've also looked very good at points. And that's while their best players are not performing to their standard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look at the games they have coming up, too. Like you said, it's the hard, the harder stretch is coming to an end after Vegas because then we got Arizona, Vancouver, Winnipeg's doing okay, Carolina, we know. Then Anaheim, Ottawa, Ottawa, New Jersey again, Florida, Washington. That's to finish out the month. Oh, sorry, I'm missing San Jose in there. Yeah, and then that's to finish out the month before the bye week. Yeah, then you do San Jose, the San Jose, Anaheim, LA trip, which LA is the only team of any, you know, I, that's a tough trip for the Penguins always. But, you know, realistically, you should be winning against San Jose and the Anaheim Ducks. But, you know, we all know how that goes. But nonetheless, uh, I, I think as Nick Horwath's idol, Aaron Rodgers, once said, <laughs> relax, everybody relax uh we're gonna take a quick break uh when we return we're gonna talk about the penguins defense and what that might look like at full health because it's coming down the pike we'll be right back Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm Nick Berlansky, along with noted Green Bay Packers fan Nick Horwat, and uh, we're talking about the Penguins defense, uh, looking at what they could look like at full health, because I feel like it's going to look a lot different than it did at the beginning of the season whenever they entered with full health, and uh, I think that I might have something in, in the bottom pairing that not a lot of people would agree with. Or not, maybe people will agree with, but maybe not a lot of people are thinking of uh, at this very moment. But Horwell, let's start with the first pair. I think we're going to do this pair by pair. Um, I'll tee up first pair, right side. I think uh, it's pretty obvious that it's going to be Chris Letang. Yeah, absolutely. It has been for like 16, 15 years now. Yeah. Eh, maybe a few less just because we had some pretty solid defenseman whenever he was young but anyway mm -hmm. uh yeah i'd say it's uh chris letang easy as that yeah and I, I know we mentioned it earlier that chris letang is on bereavement leave uh due to the death of his father claude we obviously have our thoughts with his family um in, in this difficult time but i really think i mean it has been this past month for chris letang has been something that you never wish upon your greatest enemy so uh, i i think it's pretty obvious that he is the masterton nominee for the pittsburgh penguins and I would not be surprised if 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 he has the Masterton. I know that at the end of the day that means very little, um, but it is something that I, I think the Pittsburgh Penguins are, are planning on definitely nominating. But um, right side, Chris Letang, top 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 defenseman on the right side. It's it's obvious. Uh, the left side, this is where you can start to get a little bit of differences. I have uh, Pio Joseph as my number one defenseman on the left side when all healthy. And that's something I know a lot of people want. And I think he really is building into that game of being at that caliber of a top-level defenseman. Mm -hmm. um, I don't totally disagree. I think he's almost there. Um, and then I know that people love the Pedersen-Petrie line. I think, you know, I think I'm going to agree with you on mm -hmm. Pio Joseph as the uh, top line there. Um just because it's kind of what the people want. I always look back at the, uh, the LA Kings formula from a long time ago. They had Drew Doughty. I forget what side he's on, but he was their top guy. And then they, one year, I forget who it was exactly, they filtered in a young defenseman over a couple of uh, more veteran players. And the deep pairing ended up taking off and being pretty good. Mm -hmm. I think it might have been Slava Voinov. Oh, I'm talking far after that. Oh, okay. Like uh, in like the past, like in the past, like four years or so. I was like, not a guy that I particularly want to bring up, but I, that's who came to mind. No, I think this was like in the past, like four years or so. It was, um, 
if, if I could even remember, I'd be proud of myself, but I'm not going to be able to. But it was yeah. it was a young player playing with a guy like Drew Doughty, and I think they're still doing that now. I mean, there's so, uh, if, there's so much youth on that team. Yeah, it's... Um, as I pull up their roster, it may have been like Matt Roy or something. Mm. I don't remember. Regardless, um, it's something that the Penguins can try and pull off here as well. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like P.O. Joseph has earned that opportunity. Um, there is a reason why it was P.O. Joseph and Chris Letang for a lot of training camp, practicing together, working on the same line, working together on, on chemistry, on communication and everything like that. And I think when you watch the past couple of games in this five-game losing streak in particular, the best player on the blue line has been P.O. Joseph. I mean, he's been he's turned into a very solid two-way option for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, the puck moving has always been there, but now he's starting to get counting stats as well. Uh, in recent weeks. So it's nice to see. And I think he's earned the opportunity to get an extended look alongside Chris Letang uh, whenever he does return to the team. Moving over the second pairing. And you know what? It's obvious again for the right side. And it's Jeff Petrie. Um, I don't know if you have anything else on it. I don't. I think it's it's just, you know, it's it's Letang and Petrie on the right side when a fully healthy. And there's, there's not much discussion in my head uh, to be had on that. Yeah, it, 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 that's exactly what it is. And you don't even need to get too deep into... Uh the minutia of their game or how good or bad they are analytically or the, or the counting stats and all that. You don't need to do all that. No. Um, because it is pretty much namesake 1-2. It is salary 2-1. But, you know, they're paying uh, Jeff Petrie a good amount of money. They're not going to put him on the third line and give him five to eight minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, so and because, I mean, that's part of the re- probably part of the reason why Brian Dumont's been in for this long. That they're paying him money, why would they pay that much money in the press box? It's a hard decision to make whenever you finally sit down a guy that makes that much. That's why we were all shocked last year when Kapanen got the scratches and into this year. He's making a good, a pretty good paycheck that you want to play. So I think that also plays a hand in Jeff Petrie, but he's also just that good. Mm-hmm. So, number two guy. Yeah, you could take out the stats, you could take out everything else. You could take a fan from, let's say, the Seattle Kraken, who just became a fan of hockey, and you say... You know, in the the year and a half that you've watched hockey, look at this this eight players, or look at these four players that play on the right side of the Penguins' defense. Who are the top two? Yeah, everybody's going to say Latang and, and Petrie, and it, sometimes it is just that easy. Uh, but on the left side, you know, we said Joseph on the first pairing. I, I think we're both in agreement then here that it's Marcus Pedersen, uh, second pairing left defenseman. Honestly, if you take the entire season into account. I know Joseph has been their best defenseman over the past five, but the entire season-wise, I think Marcus Pedersen is, mm-hmm. has been incredible uh, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You could argue that he should be on that top pair with Chris Letang, but I yeah. also believe that when he's with Jeff Petrie, they are one of the most outstanding pairs in the National Hockey League. You look at what they've done analytically in 28 games together. They have 52% shot uh, shot attempts went on the ice at 5-on-5, five five, 60% of the expected goals for, 59% of the scoring chances for. And to make all of that make a little bit more sense and why that, yeah, those numbers are great in a vacuum, there's one other number that when you put that up against these and say they're connected, it makes you realize how absolutely absurd these two were playing. 25% offensive zone start percentage. 75% of the time they're starting in their defensive zone yet they have over 60% of the expected goals for. It is ridiculous how good those guys have been. In year one of Jeff Petrie with the Penguins, and in a year where a lot of people didn't think Marcus Pedersen would still be with this team. Transitioning from defense to offense. It's something that the third line has to do all the time. Third mm-hmm. offensive line has to do all of the time, and it kind of hurts their numbers, but at least those two on the back end are able to do it. Yeah, it, it, it's... Ridiculous when you get into the minutia of how good that pairing is. And you, we saw it at the beginning of the season. We're like, oh, Petrie and Pedersen. That's it's going to be an interesting pairing. Don't know how it's going to work. Well, it's one of the best defensive pairings in the National Hockey League. And if you say otherwise, uh, just message me and I'll, I'll set you straight. But uh, third pairing, I'm getting a very, I'm very like on, on edge today. Yeah, uh, you know, prickly. Uh, third pairing, again, literally in my notes, I have obviously, obviously part two and obviously part three for the right side. Uh, Jan Ruda. Yeah. Yeah. We paid him the money. We signed him this year. He's not going to play anywhere else unless he plays up in the lineup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and obviously everybody loves watching in the room. 
Uh, the last one had a little bit of a highlight on Jan Ruda walking through the holiday market in Market Square. If you haven't watched it, I, I consider, I would say that you should. Um, he just seems like a fun guy. Big like, wine guy. Big wine guy? Him and him and Dumoulin. Big wine guys. Oh, well, you know. Uh, but nonetheless, no, Jan Ruda's been great. You know, the size is, is exactly what Brian Burke and Ron Hextall wanted. And I also think that he's been put in a lot of difficult situations. He's basically been the garbage man for the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, hey, Brian Dumlin's having a lot hard time. Yawn, it's time for you to turn him around. We're going to sit, strap him next to you. Oh, P.O. Joseph trying to get his feet underneath him, trying to get his feet wet in the NHL. Yawn, yeah, we're going to put you up there. You know, it, it, Yawn, everyone's hurt. You're now the first line right, right defense. Have fun, yep. buddy. Yeah, no, he's been put in awful situations all year, and it's one of the downsides of staying healthy, but he's been pretty good. We can't argue it. He's earning. I don't know. Not too many people, I'm assuming, said that he's getting paid too much. Because he's really not. That's good third line money, 2.75. The second we signed it, I said, this is a great deal. He's not going to play too many minutes. He's make, not making a ton of money. And he's coming off of three straight trips to the uh, cup final. He knows how to play playoff hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, he's 32 and playing for three years. and that, eh, you, know, you don't like seeing that kind of age get pushed in. But... Yeah, I love the deal, and it's paying off. Yep. So let's talk about third third defense pairing left side, which, you know, we talked about for a solid month and a half, two months leading up to the season as who's going to be there, who's going to get that spot. Who do you have? Because I'll go last. Who, who do you have at full health, third pairing left side? It's It's difficult because you want to... Yeah, no, 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 screw it. Ty Smith. Um, they've shown that they have faith in him. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're sticking him on the first power play unit as, you know, as not phenomenal as he is. He's not ready for that position yet, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, but as as much as that is, he's getting the playing time. He's getting that kind of confidence. He came up and was immediately thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Shocking. I get Petrie wasn't there, but they showed to have a little more confidence in Ty Smith in that position than they did P.O. Joseph, mm. who may have been a, been an option. Put Ty Smith on the second, you know, learn him into the into the power play, but they showed to have confidence in this guy by putting him on the first one. Mm. I get neither of them are converting, but yeah. um, that's confidence regardless. They're, yeah. This is a team that is confident in their power play. When it went 0 for 9, Mike Sullivan said he found it hard to be critical and i think the whole room went we can find ways um <laughs> but still it was uh they're showing confidence in ty smith and i think he's the one that steps in there and as for dumelin when this team is fully healthy maybe the trade deadline is coming gone yeah it is uh it is growing ever closer is the trade deadline for the nhl i liked what i've seen from ty smith in his first two games i do uh, I, I think there's a, a clear future with this kid. I, I hope the Pittsburgh Penguins can strike a deal with him and have him continue his progress in Pittsburgh. I hope he's, you know, understanding why he was sent to the minors and, and why they wanted him to work on some things. And I hope that he understands when they do it again, because I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I, I, when when fully healthy, I want Mark Friedman as, as the third pairing left defenseman. Ooh. I, I don't think I'll get that. Uh, as uh, personally, I, I honestly think that they're going to the ride or die with Dumoulin until, you know, the wheels, compl- I mean, the wheels have completely fell off. Uh, they're going to ride or die with him until the wheels are shipped to a different city. Um, but I don't think there's a need for Dumoulin to be in the lineup anymore. I understand that you're paying him $4.1 million, but that's like the only you're paying, reason at this point, you're, you're paying $82 million this season anyway. You know, why, why force yourself to watch bad hockey? Why force yourself to, to handcuff your team? Uh, when you know what, yeah, it's four point one million dollars, but at the end of the year that drops off the that drops off the payroll, and if you can get it off the payroll earlier than that, I suggest you do so. Um, but with Mark Friedman, I like what I've seen uh, with, with Ty Smith, but Mark Friedman brings a different element to this game. I think when you put Friedman and Ruda get Ruda together, uh, it's a defense pairing that has the ability to move the puck. I think it's a defense pairing that has the ability to get a little bit nasty. Uh, especially when they're going to be going up against the bottom six of other teams. Um, get a little bit nasty because you're going to get nasty right back in your face. Uh, I love what I've seen from him, and he's an expected goals god. So even the analytics love him. 
Um, I really think that Mark Freeman is undervalued on this team. I understand Chad Ruedel has been the seventh defenseman for the longest time. I understand that, you know, it would be a slap in the face to Chad Ruedel to send him down. Um, but I, I really think that Mark Freeman ha has earned the right uh, to be in this lineup. And I know I'm not going to get it. And I know I might be speaking into the void right now, but I really think Mark Friedman brings an edge to the game that the Penguins don't have anywhere else except for with Josh Archibald, who's currently on the shelf. I think you need both of those guys in there because if you turn your power play around, these two guys, I tweeted it and you had a great response in the middle of that Detroit game. Uh, these two guys might have the Penguins on five, six power plays a game alone with just the way that they have they play the game and the way they get under people's skin. And I know that's not the end-all be-all for a defenseman, but as a third-pairing defenseman on the left side next to a stout guy like Jan Ruda, I love everything Mark Friedman brings to the game. And I hope that he gets a better chance, and I think that he deserves it over Brian Dumoulin. And for the time being, I think he's more steady than Ty Smith. I, I do. I think he brings more to you, especially with the fact that you're going to have Casey DeSmith as your starting goaltender for what may be as little as one week, but maybe as much as five or six weeks. So I like Mark Friedman in that role for this team at this moment, if they can get fully healthy uh, with Chris Letang and Jeff Petrie, who, like we mentioned, they're both certainly on their way back. So if they ever get to full health on the blue line, I like Mark Friedman on the left. Yeah, I don't totally hate that either. I mean, you got him for this year and next year, Mark Friedman. You know, you could cycle him in at any point. Um, you know, and, maybe, and he's only 27. Maybe a couple years down the line, this defense ta is taking a whole different shape. Mm-hmm. Maybe the left side one day looks T.O. Joseph, uh, Ty Smith, Mark Friedman. You know, I don't know how many years down the line that would be, and that's obviously post-Marcus Patterson. But you kind of get an idea of what the left side could be, and then your right side, I mean, Crystal Tang will be there until the day we all die. Maybe Jeff Petrie's moved on because he's only, I forget where he's at. So maybe that's someone else. He has a few maybe years we've... left on that contract. Yeah, but I'm, I don't mean I don't know how far down the line I'm talking here. Yeah, and you know maybe it's Latang, someone, someone. Who knows what this team looks like in a couple years? Maybe one of these guys becomes great trade bait too. You never know what this team could look like far down the line. But you got time with Mark Friedman still. I think mm -hmm. I don't think Hextall is going to want to give him up that easily. Yeah, I don't think it happens this season. But you know, if there ever is a year in the next three that the Pittsburgh Penguins are just out of playoff contention at the deadline, somebody's going to dish out some money for Jan Ruda. Somebody's going to dish out some good picks for Jan Ruda. Uh, also for for probably a guy like Mark Friedman. I mean, these guys are valuable trade pieces, but the problem is the Pittsburgh Penguins aren't sellers. Get that out no. of your mind. Throw it back to the second segment if you want my opinion on, on where the Pittsburgh Penguins are going to be at the end of the season. I'm a little testy today, Horwath, but that's going to do it for this one. We will be back next week with obviously all new episodes of the Pittsburgh Penguins Tip of the Iceberg podcast. And uh, we didn't do it this episode. I meant to do it and then completely forgot about it because this week's been crazy. We're going to give our power rankings for the Metropolitan Division for the month of January. That's going to do it for this one, though. We will see you guys next week. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the game on Saturday. And we will see you later, Pens fans.